Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Say again for the listeners what you just asked us about staying up late. <laughs> Why is it anytime we have to stay up even a little late for a Red Wings game, they absolutely shit the bed? <laughs> it's the laws of nature. And they could sense that we were recording early this morning. Yeah, the game ended nine hours ago. Nature is truly <laughs> healing, isn't it? I um, I legitimately, I wouldn't admit this to you guys off air because then I just have to face the embarrassment. But I legitimately try to warm myself up for morning episodes like by like waking myself up and making sure my eyes are open and like waking up my voice. And... Because I, I don't know, I don't want people to feel tired just because, you know, it's early for us. And apparently, and I've been told this, my voice betrays me every time and I cannot hide it if I wanted to. <laughs> like, I just sound exhausted. See, you got to learn the secrets. Like me, I sound the same every episode because I'm always <laughs> tired. <laughs> I'm not having kids, Brad. This is the default setting. I am not having kids right now. I do sometimes, I'm at the phase now where I'm asking to like borrow my friend's babies for a few hours. They're cool to hang out with. Anytime you want. Buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring them over. I don't want to like keep them overnight. For just like an hour. Yeah. It's two, like give me two, three hours and you can have them like as often as you want. Well, um, <laughs> if you want to drive them over, actually, are they good at shoveling driveways? They actually will help. They're not good at it, but they're enthusiastic about it. Well, that's good. My neighbor needs help because he apparently doesn't know how. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast, a bright and early edition. Whatever the opposite of after dark is, that's what we're doing. Uh, here to talk Red Wings hockey, mid-season reviews, some, uh, I don't know, whatever else comes up. I'm Ryan, I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. Uh, on this episode of the Winged Wheel Top, Winged Wheel. On this episode of the Winged Wheel Topic, here are your podcast today. Oh my god! <laughs> Good start. Good start. <laughs> How much time do we have left? Um, we have a couple Red Wings games that happen to cover. Uh, feelings about them are going to be mixed, probably. Um, some mild pieces of news. Some smaller pieces of news uh, regarding, you know, Jamel Smith and Justin Abdelkader. Yes, I said that correctly. I can't believe I had to say that out loud. <laughs> what year is it? <laughs> uh, Not then, as long ago as you would like to think. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to do kind of a part one to a mid-season review. There's more coming later this week, and, and we'll get to that. But uh, we're going to start to take a look at the Red Wings and where they are at at about 41 games into the season um, before we get into some other segments and then overtime. Uh, before we do all that, I have to do my uh, episode by episode call out of the Jamie Daniels Foundation uh, and our uh, initiative to support them called Wings Money on the Board, which was started in uh, collaboration with Prashanth Iyer, a good friend of the podcast. Uh, Wings Money on the Board is a way to pledge money to uh, donate to the Jamie Daniels Foundation based on different things that the Red Wings do throughout the season. So, for example, someone will pledge uh, 25 cents for every more at Cider Hit. Or ten bucks for every Lucas Raymond goal, or whatever you want it to be for whatever you want it to be, um, and then at the end of the season and through special one-off events as well, uh, those donations are made. We have tons of giveaways, prizes, things like that. Um, uh, Ken Daniels has agreed to voice our intro on the podcast. We're That's going, exciting. Yeah, it, I. <laughs> 
we wanted to set the threshold at about 10 grand raised on the year for that. And we were still chatting about it. And then everyone blew past 10 grand on the year. So if we can get to 15, Ken Daniels will, uh, will record the new intro for the winged wheel podcast. So that's an incentive. Anyhow, uh, wingedwheelpodcast.com slash blog if you want to learn more about Wings Money on the Board and the Jamie Daniels Foundation, or sorry, jamiedanielsfoundation.org to learn more and offer your support to them. Okay. Red Wings last night. What do you want to cover? Last night first, the Dallas game? No. You got to do it, Brad. I know. A Dallas game feels like it was five weeks ago. <sighs> I mean, the Dallas game was... Uh unfortunately a little more straightforward <laughs> in the sense that the Red Wings actually played well and just a couple really shady goals from Ned were the difference uh which it's so weird saying that because it's been the inverse all season where <laughs> yeah the Red Wings either were close in a game or won a game and you could say well they did nothing but Ned bailed their ass uh, it was due for the inverse to happen every eventually it is going to happen the fact that it didn't happen until what was a game 40 or 41 He's banked it, up enough at this ex- point. <laughs> acceptable. It, it was acceptable because, yeah, what was it? The Dallas first and third goals were just So those ah, tight angle shots. Tight angle shots that weren't very strong, weren't like, you know, like Larkin had against Montreal where it went bar down and like the one in a million shot. These are ones that went through yeah. Ned, which it happens it's unfortunate that it happened twice in the same game because it just amplifies the problem uh, i had a couple people tweet at me about and this is why the reverse vh should die which made me laugh a little bit um but it's why the what should die it's how goaltenders like modern goaltenders play the post from bad angles uh, a lot of not everybody agrees with it with that front pad down and kind of it creates a few more holes than it normally would yeah, okay. like i get why they do it for positionality and movement but um more than a few i shouldn't say more than a few a few people took the opportunity to point it out to me that both those got through when he was in that position but um i mean he's been playing it all year and those haven't been happening so whatever it sucks the red wings you know piled up enough offense that game dylan larkins what was your how did you phrase it i i which i liked uh dylan larkin sent john klingberg to the shadow realm yeah just about <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, what we we need a name for this segment where I tell people about how I've been that embarrassed as a defenseman before. <laughs> Dylan Lark, okay, Dylan Larkin's move on that rush, it was speed. It's the fact that he did it fast because the inside out wasn't like there was no head no. fake, there was no body fake. He literally just went outside in or inside out, however you want to call it, and he did it fast. And Klingberg happened to be moving his weight in his skates at the in the wrong direction at the wrong time, and also lunged for it like a dummy. Which every defenseman has done. And the moment Larkin moved, the moment he was vulnerable in terms of where his weight was on his body, what he was thinking was, I hope he doesn't go inside out right now. <laughs> and then Larkin did. And then he ended up sprawled on his belly on the ice, which is just, you pointed it out. That took money off his next contract. <laughs> that took a lot of money off his next contract. He's going to walk into the his next contract negotiation and the opposing GM, if it's Jim Niller, if he's traded, is just going to have that clip playing on loop going and here's why you're getting six mm-hmm. yeah the the dallas game was for me a little bit more fitting for the red wings this year not perfect some <coughs> very basic things went wrong which ultimately cost them the game um 
but they still had their show of offense and it was altogether at least fun to watch. And that was a little bit more like 2022 Red Wings. Yeah, the Red Wings had two goals with their top line off the ice and it feels like a shame to have wasted that. Yeah. But who are we? The Edmonton Oilers? (laughs) Man, they're in a bad place. No, we're not that bad, man. Like, come on, give the Red Wings a little more credit than that. They had another... Um, like minute long delayed penalty man advantage, which I think they should just do that rather than their actual power plays at this point. I know that that sequence from Mo Sider on that was oh he had about three separate times where the puck came back to him at the blue line and he just walked the line in a way that very few defensemen will and can do. Yeah, and it was it was truly something to behold. And then the power play started and it all went to shit. But you know, in that window, it was fun. But. <laughs> Um, Bertuzzi, well, the Guelph connection continued to deliver. Bertuzzi fed it to Fabry. Bertuzzi's cross ice in the offensive zone pass was excellent. Yep. And Fabry's finish was fantastic. Yep. That, he was just absolutely clutch with that. Two highlight real goals in one game. What is this team? I, I remember the, I don't know these guys. It's the new look lines, man. They're, they're clicking. <laughs> I really like them. Um, and then Pew Suter, or what was it? Yeah. Bertuzzi to Pew Suter as well. That eventually tied that game. Um, so again, more from the Guelph connection. And then that's when we got to the Dylan Larkin goal. Yep. Full ice and, and regroup in his own zone around the first few stars defenders just with speed. And then you can really tell yeah. who the fast guys are in the NHL because as soon as Dylan Larkin turned the corner just inside his own blue line, I don't remember what Dallas player it was that he had to go around. It was like the gap increased between that player and Dylan Larkin instantaneously. Yeah. Just he created the space at will. Yeah, that Dallas uh, defender player. He he's only still skating at that point, so he doesn't get benched. He knows it's not actually going to accomplish anything. This will be on the game tape. They need yeah. to at least fake the effort. <laughs> it's like he's chasing a puck down for icing. Yeah. Like you move your head, you drop your shoulders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just staring at his coach all the time. Look, I'm going. I'm going. He probably just went for a line change. <laughs> get out of there. <laughs> We've all been there. Uh, and then it Clinger was. Should've. It was Bertuzzi, right? Who, yeah, it was Bertuzzi who brought it to within one. It was yeah, four three. I'm not entirely convinced that wasn't on purpose. The bank. I'm not convinced he didn't mean to do that because when Raymond gave it to him down low, Dallas willingly gave him all the space in the world because he was on his offside, so they knew he wasn't much of a threat to get that to the front of the net and like go backhand shell for anything from there. But the cross-ice pass was an option, so the Dallas defenseman sold out quickly and very early to block that pass. And if that pass gets through, that's not an easy sauce to make. So I'm not sure that even results in a great scoring chance. But what it did set up was the perfect bumper to direct that puck into the net. Yeah, as a defenseman, if you're going to be laying down your goalie's crease, like, I mean, laying down, you best be keeping the puck out. Otherwise... Stay the hell out of their way. <laughs> or at least like angle, kick your leg a little forward so that the angle isn't directly into your net. I do. Th- like I get it's a hard play and you got to make a s- s- quick like snapshot decision. But uh, maybe like if you trained enough, it's muscle memory because that was textbook what not to do there. I think Bert was looking for Larkin. But yeah, the defenseman just gave. It was a, it was a win-win play for Bert and he converted. Bert's been on a tear, man. This guy, I want to. We're, we're going to chat about him in the midseason review. After talking to, you know, 
some people or friends and just thinking about it, I don't think the trade value is completely tanked. Like maybe we've been alluding or implying only one, only one Canadian team in a playoff spot right now. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, it was four, four Detroit. Well, let's get to how it became four, four. I said, uh, or Bertuzzi brought it within one. That was wrong. Bertuzzi gave Detroit the lead, which is what it was. So it was four, three minute and three left in the game. Um, at one point, Dallas has their net pulled, their net pulled, their goalie pulled, and Bert takes the puck, has a little look, and he shoots for the open net. Uh, misses it by, like, I'm talking inches. And I don't even hate that Bert went for it there, but it did cause the icing and for them to come back into the zone. That wasn't the biggest mistake at the end of the game for me, and I think you know what the biggest mistake was. We know. We know. Uh, to touch on that. I don't hate that play going the empty net specifically because Bertuzzi had time and space to take that shot. And at worst, an NHL player, given that much time and that much space from that distance, will hit it about 50% of the time. So a 50-50 shot to seal the game. Yeah, you take that every chance. Sure, you could flip it out into the neutral zone and let Dallas regroup and kill a little more time. But what's more valuable, killing a little more time there or ending the game? It, it's fine. If he had pressure and it was a rushed shot, then I don't like it because the odds of that going in go way down. And that's one where you probably just want it off the glass into the neutral zone mm-hmm. um, or something along those lines. But yeah, in that scenario, I'm I'm totally fine with him trying for it. Um, yeah. So it was Robertson who ended up tying it. I don't really understand the personnel decisions. <laughs> they were worse the next night. I can't point I can't point to anything, you know, DeKaiser did wrong on that play. Like that that puck just kind of went in after a scrum at about the hash marks between the hash marks and the top of the circle, wherever it was. It's just you don't know who's gassed. I get it. Whatever. And then OT, of course, the moment the, the Red Wings gave up that lead and went into OT, you just knew which way it was gonna go. Yep. It felt like a winnable game that the Red Wings should have closed out. Like there was the the Fabry tripping call, which it was a penalty. I I, I, I agree, it was a penalty. I don't I, think anybody's arguing it was a penalty. But holy the shit, there was a lot of identical plays uncalled the rest of the game. Yeah, that was the frustrating thing. It's just the consistency. Yeah, if you're gonna call that penalty in overtime, fantastic. Then you just got to be that ref all game. Yeah, because like early in the game, the precedent was set when the Red Wings had a power play, Heronic was taken down on a zone entry, like a textbook trip. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't called. Then everybody's like, oh, that's a bit of bullshit. But yeah, the Red Wings already have a power play. The refs aren't so eager to give a team a five on three. So you you see that let go a lot. Uh, you know what's a more game-altering circumstance than a five on three? <laughs> Doing it in overtime. <laughs> so if their mindset was, hey, yeah, we'll call some things, but we don't want to play our hand in this game too much then you don't call it no T. So that was my only gripe about it was there was a lot of trips, especially that heronic one that weren't called. That was a standard that was set. Okay, that's fine. Now the teams know the standard, uh, except that wasn't the standard apparently. And, uh, you know, it led to the power play that Dallas ultimately won the game on. Now, could Detroit have killed it off? Sure. Would I have had, uh, you know, Danny DeKaiser out there on a four on three? Absolutely not. See, you you don't blame him for the uh, 4-4 goal, and neither do I. 
he was the main culprit for the winning goal in overtime. Yeah, yeah. He had a chance to clear, botched it, and then gave the net front guy too much of a gap and allowed him to make that tip. I understand that in a four and three, you're in an impossible situation, and he was playing on the side where a one-timer and the back door was a threat. You take the back door. Ned's got more time to get to the one-timer. Grow up, man. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't say anything. Yeah, he didn't say anything, man. So who needs to grow up here? (laughs) But but, um, yeah, you can't. Where DeKaiser was playing that, he was covering neither of them. I get that he was trying to split the difference, but in those circumstances, you have to sell out to one. The Red Wings are terrible. Not yep. in the home. <laughs> po- uh, full stop. Um, <laughs> the Red Wings are terrible, not just in the home plate area that the analysts love to say on TV, but basically a square from the goal line, like five feet out from each post and then up to the hash marks and then connect and finish the square. Like, yeah. The Red Wings are absolutely terrible in front of in front and around their own net like as soon as anyone goes in on there they just pull out the blindfold tie it around their eyes and that's it it's it's really bad even at even strength and it's not just a kaiser either it's I've, everybody yeah i've seen a few guys just get turned around turned around and it's not it's been for years like this you can just like, it happened last night against uh nashville like duchene just comes in sneaks in while everybody's puck watching and gets a gift and scores an easy goal. Like the Red Wings are very bad in front of and around their own net. Hey, Nick Letty was trying to play goalie on that one. At least he was, you know, <laughs> helping. Speaking of Nick's, uh, Lidstrom said he was going to focus on the defense. If he could help with, you know, assignments and coverage and zones and lanes, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Maybe you don't have three guys watching the one guy with the puck who's almost in the corner. I don't. I don't want this to be like a pile on Danny DeKaiser session. It's it's everybody. It is one thing that I do think is funny is when a puck goes behind the net into DeKaiser's zone and he just doesn't have the feet to get there. So he's skating, but his teammates have actually learned to just beat him to it. <laughs> and so you end up with like two or three Red Wings behind the net in their own zone. You're like, guys, please win this puck battle because if you don't, it's not going to be pretty. Yes, believe it or not, when you put better players in your lineup, it gets a lot easier to do good things. I don't know about that, Evan. Let's let's try what we're doing 40 (laughs) or 50 more times. Let's live on a razor's edge every game. Well, let's talk about the Nashville game. It sucked. Every single player on the Red Wings played an average or below average game relative to their own standard. Legitimately, the highlight of the game was Bertuzzi with the fantastic stretch pass to Adam Ernie, who was coming out of the box and made no mistake on the breakaway goal. Rasmussen style, I like to call it. Yeah. And, no, he went high. Oh. Uh, and he went high. And uh, Big Ern ripped it home. And that was all that could be said about what only ended up being a 4-1 uh, loss for Detroit. There was just the one empty net goal. So it's three one really for most of the game, but it uh. well Ned was all right that game at least he did enough to keep them in it, and that was it. Yeah, it was a. You could very obviously tell that the Red Wings were playing a back to back with travel. Yeah, they they look like they had nothing. Yeah, um, that's one of those ones I could break down about a dozen plays that were just from an NHL standard unacceptably bad. It doesn't matter that it was one of those games. Everybody looked off. Everybody looked tired. Everybody looked like it was the third goal. Mo Sider was just a 
bystander, which never happens. No. Like when I saw that, I'm like, yeah, okay, no, <laughs> nobody has. If I see DeKaiser do that, I'm like, oh yeah, it's Tuesday. But if I see Sider do that, I'm like, yeah, this whole team's off tonight because he doesn't do that. I got stuck with the Nashville feed yesterday. Although I shouldn't say that the Nashville broadcast actually they're not bad. Mm-hmm. They were actually very complimentary of the Red Wings. So it's nice to get that outside perspective every once in a while. They're saying, yeah, this team still sucks but they're on the rise and they've improved in a lot of ways this year and i'm like yeah actually yeah that's fair it's the you can tell broadcasts who are who like talk about the other teams and actually know what they're talking about yeah because the ones who do say something like that and the ones who don't will say something like yeah the red wings uh they're they're looking at the playoffs again and it's guys like gustav lindstrom that are making the difference for them and you're just like you just looked at the first player you saw on the ice and just said something yeah oh yeah uh jack he's scratched tonight yeah, <laughs> and it's not hard. The calculus on the Red Wings isn't difficult. Bad team, kind of better, not good enough. Yet. You could literally just circle a few names on that sheet and be like, "These guys are playing really well and really yeah. boosting this team up." Once they get, look at one prospect they've drafted in the past three years. Once they get so and so in their roster, they'll really start to be turning this rebuild around. There, you're done. You're you welcome. can even pick Valeno if you want to. Like it doesn't yeah. matter. I could buy that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of stat sheet like scouting and, and reporting, but like if you literally just looked at the Red Wings stats page just by raw <laughs> yeah. points, that literally tells the whole story of the year. There's no se- there are no secrets on these Red Wings. <laughs> no. There's no uh there's no Da Vinci code here. <laughs> I will say UC Saros is nasty. Oh. Matt Duchesne is apparently 10 years younger. He has 20 goals this year right now. He looked great last night. Sorry, say that again. Yes, Matt Duchesne actually has 20 Matt. goals on the season. <laughs> Matt Duchesne's killing it. This- <laughs> Dude, Nashville was leading the Central as recently as last week. No, no, I get that. I just have <laughs> Oh, my God. I think his career high is like in the 30s. His career high is, is 30 goals that I can see. He's got 19 and 19 in, in 39. He's almost a point per game right now. Yeah, it's insane. And Philip Forsberg has also turned the clock back a bit. Like, he was nasty last night, too, which probably wasn't hard against Detroit. But those two guys are actually looking really good. Forsberg's been on a little tear. He, I, that yeah. guy is so sick. Oh, he's Better sick. than Marty Erat, I'd say. I'm good, sorry. Good chance. <laughs> Washington's had their cups since then. We're allowed to make fun of it. Yeah. Man, good for, good for Nashville getting, uh, getting Duchesne going. I think that's I think that's always fun when you have a guy on just a terrible contract who used to be good find a spark later in his career. Man, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I just think that's <laughs> never so once experienced that. Sure wish that would happen. Well, hey, I mean, I mean that's why I Justin Abdicator said his PTO with Grand Rapids. Oh man, yeah, that's that's a thousand percent why some things never change. Do they? No. Um, I that P, it's a per. We'll jump to that. Actually, the Red Wings have uh, they they have a few days off here. They're not playing until Wednesday in Chicago, um, or sorry, against Chicago at home. So Wednesday night, seven thirty oh, Eastern. No, Wednesday night. That's a national game, isn't it? Uh, I'm not sure, but we'll look it up. Yep, that's a TNT game, baby. Oh, TNT. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, so because of that, we, our next episode will actually be dropping on Thursday um thursday evening so we're going to be doing a sunday thursday split this week rather than the usual sunday wednesday and yeah that's where uh that's where the red wings are at Uh, that sunday episodes are going to be maybe very sad oh because it's going to be um a pittsburgh and a toronto game before that back to back (laughs) home and away or we're talking about the playoffs again yeah that gustav lindstrom really pushing us in yeah 
the Justin abdicator thing. This isn't a this isn't a topic. I just for the sake of clarification, Justin Abdelkader signed a professional tryout with the Grand Rapids Griffins. That is not an NHL contract. That's not a Red Wings contract. Whether it's, you know, they need the bodies because they have a ton of injuries and because of COVID, which is, you know, the answer. Or yeah, Team USA for the Olympics is testing out a bunch of guy for reserves because of COVID and they're just not, you know, talking about it publicly, which is probably also true. And Abby wants a warm-up. Went to his old organization and said, hey, can I get a... Wasn't he playing in Switzerland? Yeah, he's playing overseas God. in Europe. What a terrible time that must have been. Awful. You got to feel bad. Yeah. Anyhow, I hope he sticks there. I think that's it's fun. fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's a AHL contract, right? Like, it's fun. His jersey went for well into oh, thousands of dollars last night. That's so hysterical. That is... <laughs> Could have got a Bergen for like a third of the price. <laughs> Just an applicator. Grand Rapids paid for their uh, PTO with him. Whatever they paid him, they made it back in his jersey. And Let me tell you, that plane doesn't need to be refueled <laughs> on, on the Illich's credit card for a long time. No. Um. Anyhow, that's that. There's nothing else to it. The Red Wings have a ton of guys they would call up. They have a ton of guys they would sign before they bring Abby back. They bought him out. Can't hurt you anymore. Just be happy for Abby. That's it. It's kind of cool how people can, or somebody can literally just come into the AHL <laughs> and play hockey. Like, yeah, I'm going to go do this. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah, just do it. Yeah. Someone mentioned on Twitter, though, um, this is how you know Ken Holland left us with a very mild form of PTSD. That we saw that, and we know, we know what AHL PTO means, but like, but 98% of us said, but wait. <laughs> He was minus one no. last night. <laughs> Who among us, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then in other mild or smaller Red Wings news, Jamel Smith was sent down to Grand Rapids just for a conditioning stint, which they can do. So obviously didn't have to clear waivers. So we can expect to see him in the Red Wings lineup eventually. Um, which for those of you who don't know, Jamel Smith is now a Red Wing. Well, we talked about that last episode. Did we? Yeah. It was Did part it? of the title of the episode. That was also four ep- four years ago. Yeah. Was yeah that feels like a long <laughs> Honestly, I feel like we claimed them on waivers like yesterday. That's where we're at, eh? Like, the Dallas yeah. game honestly feels longer ago than that. Time dilation is just something. Well, this week I thought Thursday was Wednesday, so Friday was very nice. Oh, that is a I my thing is I think every day is Thursday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I think they're all Thursday, and then I think Thursday is Friday. Tuesday and Thursday are the worst days of the week because they're just they have no claim to anything. Thursday's the one that messed me up this week because obviously you guys know, but the listeners wouldn't know. Like the Kitchener Rangers always play their home games Friday nights. Yeah. So I was bored off my ass at home Friday night and I'm like, ah, okay, I'm not doing anything. I'll turn on the Ranger game. So I turn on the Ranger game and it was like some weird like cooking show. I'm like, Rangers not play. I thought the Rangers played this Friday. Oh, it's Thursday. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I've just had a very confused like 30 seconds. Uh, I'm going to interrupt us. To tell the listeners that this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, there's so many reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Uh, they're easy to use from registration to deposits and finding your bets. Also, when you win, FanDuel pays your winnings back in as little as 24 hours. They often have great odds boosts and specials uh, every day with some big super boosts each weekend. Now listen to this. 
FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win that first bet. No strings attached. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you get up uh, up to $1,000 back in site credit. Now, what we want you to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with that risk-free bet of up to a grand, and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so that they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-979, 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. Okay, um, what do we want to do? Do we want to touch on some midseason review before uh, bitching and moaning about the All Star game a little bit, or what do we? What, what are you guys feeling? The NHL is inviting Trevor Zegers to the Breakaway Challenge in the All Star game, and last episode we said, "Hey, that's a good thing. That's what the NHL should be doing." We're looking forward to seeing who else is being invited to special events. That was it. That was it. Hmm. <sighs> It's it's like they have a favorite for the Calder. <laughs> that aside, okay, that <laughs> aside, and I actually I I'm gonna be a homer on that too. Like that how annoying. But that the, aside the, the fan in me says this is bullshit. The analyst in me will have the further opinions. <laughs> it is just so cool like typical NHL for us to be saying, hey, do things like advertise your fun players that people are talking about and make the most of it. And what they heard was, Hey, that example that we're giving you turn that up to a thousand and look at nothing else that's happening in your league. It's like when you had to write an essay, but, and you had to have three strong or three points to make in your essay. Well, they just extended this one point over yeah. those three in different ways. <laughs> Zegris is good at skills. Uh, Zegris is very skilled and Zegris sure is skillful that's what they made their why no one else is as skilled as trevor zegers oh my god it's then this isn't a trevor zegers hate session he is so fun to watch he's so skilled he belongs in that breakaway challenge but holy shit man find a way to advertise your good other like your other good young players put raymond in the shooting competition put more cider in the ass competition put bunting or janot or something it doesn't matter stick him in there Put net put Nedeljkovic in the breakaway, and I'm not talking about just Red Wings. For sure, the two players who are actually leading in their respective positions in rookie scoring. Yeah, if you're talking about league leaders, maybe that's a little rational. I don't know. Let's get weird with it. But why? Why? And they're so weird. The NHL is so weird about this. It's like they don't announce what the rules are until, like we talked about this, like that last minute in voting. Like no one really knew. They don't announce what the parameters are in terms of inviting extra people. They haven't said that they're done. I think they're just probably waiting to see what other outcry there is. Like, they're just making this up on the go. It's a professional sports league. Like, and I get it. I'm happy Zegers is there. But it's funny, too, just the NHL not even understanding their own product. No, they don't. They because don't. what makes Trevor Zegers great is that he's supremely skilled and he also has the balls to try this stuff in a game 
in a game setting. The the actual Dishigan that he pulled off, like every NHL player can do that. Like the picking it up and throwing it over the net. I Ev- can do that. I can do that. Like Evan could do that with a mini stick. Like everybody can do that. It's he has the confidence and the ability to process that, hey, I can do this. Milano's there. Let's make this happen and go in the middle of a game. You know where that would really, really shine an all-star game weekend? In the all-star game. But hey, this is a a good follow-up at least. But yeah. So do you know who else could do cool shit like that in the breakaway challenge? Everybody. Literally take whatever names you want to promote beyond Trevor Zegers and put them in it. And say, do cool shit, and they will do cool shit. The NHL thinks their product is a good defensive game where, you know, the boys grind. There's a lot of good block shots. And, uh, you know, Adam Ernie plays lights out, and you get depth scoring, and then your top line scores the OT winner. And, hey, once you're a fan of hockey, that is a fantastic thing to watch. I don't mean to disparage that. Like, I love watching the Red Wings absolutely shut a team down. There's a game a while back, I want to say last season, where up until the end, they had McDavid and Dreisaitl held to one shot between the two of them. And I was like, man, this is a premier performance. But that's not how you advertise the game. It's like the old uh, the baseball purists love a good pitcher's duel, whereas everybody else is trying to figure out how they can end their end themselves or get out of there early. Or do you want to I just want to see I just want to see dingers. I just want to see some dingers. Big Al hit some dingers. Anyways, am I making a mountain out of a molehill? Yes. And is it born entirely of the fact that I think it's unfair that Raymond and Cider aren't getting highlighted? I, I can see why you think that because it's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. You want you want cool shit? Has anybody ever seen more Cider more Cider juggle a puck in the air? Like he can do that from center right. He's probably come down, flip his stick, and bat it into the net with the knob of his stick. Like advertise everybody because like this is why as a fan I'm angry. Again, the the quote-unquote professional side of me says this is poor advertising for the game. Like, the Zegers thing's good, but big missed opportunity. The fan of me goes, this is just giving him the extra spotlight. We uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Zegers is probably going to win the Calder because everybody's going to remember the Dishkin. Like, he's got the cool points. Exactly. And when you're sitting there at the end of the year and you go, oh, Lucas Raymond had uh, eight more points than him and both the same number of games played. But you can't remember, like, a single Lucas Raymond play that just pops your head. Obviously, we can, but I'm saying, like, national media, they're like, oh, oh, yeah, he probably just got a whole bunch of secondary assists to Larkin. So, yeah, we'll give it to Segris. And uh, Satter's a defenseman. That's boring. So, it's going to happen. I hope it doesn't, but it's it's looking like that's going to be the case. And then Zegris will probably go into the skills competition and do something supremely cool, and it will rock. And everybody will be going, that was cool as shit. Do it again. But then that's another thing people are going to remember at the end of the season when voting. Even though that is not part of a game, people will remember it. I can't wait for the NHL to tweet about it for six weeks straight. You want to know what's going to happen now? Because we are we're, we have our diapers on at the moment. The NHL is going to invite Cider and Raymond the moment we hit publish on this episode. Yeah. I hope so. You're welcome. <laughs> I hope so. Because, yeah, this is this is not any valid thing. This is literally me, like, yeah, like you said, being a whiny baby and and spewing every conspiracy theory I have. But I'm allowed to do that at least twice a year. Oh, just that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, well I think we this put, is your second we'll already. quantified this. Yeah. No, I, no. It's the uh, whiny baby versus bad opinions. Understand oh. the difference. Okay. Well, um, anyhow, bringing it back down to earth, 
it's the all-star game whatever it'll be the longest six hours of of life um yeah, let's be honest nobody's really gonna watch it anyway we're gonna do did i talk about simon edvinson no took a hit to the head concussed they haven't called out a concussion but he um sat out the next game and a little bit beyond as well listen so. if you're hitting simon edvinson in the head the hit was a little high it's <laughs> a cruise missile that got launched from space yeah. uh hope he's okay and i'm glad they're being careful with him um okay i'm going to start us off with our mid-season kind of review of sorts this is a part one this isn't going to be all of it we have uh, something special coming for the Thursday episode where we're going to go a little bit more in depth and do more. But uh, for now, we are at the halfway mark on the season and we want to know or we want to talk about where the Red Wings are at. So let's talk about the team as a whole. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings are no longer in that playoff spot that they were in before or, you know. They are sitting at uh, 500 points percentage. They are tied with the Islanders for the best points percentage of a non-playoff Eastern Conference team right now. So they're sitting right outside um, Boston and Washington, who are fairly ahead of them. 658 and 655 points percentages. So there's not really... They're not that close. That's crazy. That's the points percentage of the 7th and 8th place team. Yeah. I remember years in the playoffs where if the Red Wings were 500, they were pretty good bets to make the playoffs right now <laughs> yeah it's funny the division right outside the wild card spots pushes the team out so let's talk about where the red wings are sorry i keep saying 41 they're 42 games in let's talk about where the red wings are safe to say this likely unless something crazy happens and verona just lights an absolute fire not a playoff team no, no chance statistically they're what under like 25 percent now oh, or something like well, that well under 20 yeah yeah and that's fine. I think on a whole, not talking about what the team has been since December, if you look at the, t- the season on balance, that's actually a really good result for the Red Wings this year. Way better than we would have thought at this point. They're beating out my projections for them. I had them being about two spots lower in the Atlantic right now. and They're doing better than Buffalo, Ottawa, and Montreal, like clear of all of them. And I think, Evan, you were talking about in our, our preseason show that they had a chance to be better than all those teams who all have something wrong with them. Montreal most notably, has Montreal wrong with them. Hey, I was the one who had Detroit highest in our preseason rankings. Shut up. <laughs> I honestly don't even remember. You, you two had him seventh. I had him sixth. <laughs> hey, you're only one spot off. That's good. Um, but overall thoughts on where... Oh, yeah, one spot off out of four possible outcomes, realistically. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I had him third. Uh, overall thoughts on where the Red Wings are, are at halfway through the season, just team-wise. Um... Mostly, it's, uh, they are who we thought they were. Are but, they? Yeah, they are. They are. I think they're better. Five players are better. I know we've beat that point to death all year, but we're getting career years out of Bertuzzi and Larkin, arguably Nadelkovich. I know it's only his second season, but mm-hmm. and Raymond Insider came in and blew the doors off their expectations. Technically, career years for them, too. Technically, yeah. So you could argue five Red Wings having career years. Mm-hmm. Not a whole hell of a lot to write home beyond them. Nemesnikov has been a pleasant surprise this year. Michael Rasmussen is an offensive juggernaut. He is, yeah. yeah. Mark Stahl continues to... No. Yeah. No, it's... Everybody's about where we thought they were. Um, you know, you've got the the pleasant surprises like uh, 
Pew Suter came in as advertised, about a half a point per game player, like he was in Chicago, where we weren't yeah. sure if that would continue. He deserves a team. lot of credit. Yeah, he's been he's playing a line above where he should, but mm-hmm. he's doing it admirably and he's doing it well. But he's still a well below average second line center in the NHL. That's just where the Red Wings are at in their rebuild. So, you know, I'm I, I'm sure my takes coming off as pessimistic right now, but it's not. It's the optimistic view for me because they are who we thought they were, but the guys that we needed, most of the guys we needed to exceed expectations are. Um, there's probably two or three guys that are pretty important to the Reading's future that haven't exceeded those expectations, but they were the lesser of the impactful players. I think I think this is about as strong of a result that you could have expected from this team. The only way I could see them even like pushing for a playoff spot is Verona is not rusty when he comes back. And if from the start of the year, Zadina was playing like how we thought Zadina could, I think that would make the difference of a couple points. Maybe they might be a little bit closer to Boston there for that wild card spot. But at the end of the day, like Fabry's not, hasn't been like fantastic all season, but he's had a lot of like a lot of times where he's been chipping in secondary scoring. Like you said, Nemesnikov has been fantastic in a support role and has earned his spot on the, the those reshuffled lines on the first line. Um, you can't really expect much from the Gagnés and the Smiths and the Ernies. Which is great because we haven't got anything from them. Um, and it just boils down to their defense not being like that. Their defense is that that's the biggest hole. And that's personnel. Like there's no combination of pairings in my mind especially on the left side that makes the defense good, right? Like, okay, you're going to put Letty with Cider. Sure. But then you risk Kronik falling off a cliff. You're going to play Lindstrom on the second pairing. Yeah, that's, that's great. Like I think Lindstrom has played really well, but I don't know about like top four at a playoff level team. Good. The, the team is still just developing on the defensive end on a night where you get five goals. The other team, is still liable to get six, depending on who's in that, what kind of game we're having. See, it's overall, this team right now, I would give the, the team overall a B. Is that fair to say? It's it's hard because we're in a concentrated zone of some pretty rough hockey. But on balance over the season, I think they've done a lot of things well considering the tools they've had. Yeah, overall, I think a, a B is fair. Now, when you... Go player by player. That's going to break down to probably a lot of A's and C's to yeah. average out that B. But again, that's what we what we expected, and that's a B relative to the Red Wings, not expectations for a yeah playoff competitive team. Yeah, if we're comparing the Red Wings to the Panthers, it's like an F minus. Yeah. But it's not. It's the Red Wings. Kodak Black. You're being he- you're being held back a grade. <laughs> yeah, Kodak Black has not been to a single Red Wings game. Yeah, but um, I, I think it was during the Dallas game. A couple people were. Getting in um, my comment section just about, you know, which Red Wings are going to stick around through the rebuild. And so I'm like, oh, you know what? That's a good question. And I, I started putting guys in the lineup. Just if the Red Wings are a contender, could, how many of these guys that are on the roster right now could they keep and where would they play? And the conclusion I basically came to is they, they have the right side of the defense figured out. The first and third line figured out. They have no second line and no left defense, which... Well, they have Verona for the second line, but obviously he's not hasn't played this year, so that doesn't really factor in. So it's like, yeah, considering they don't have a second line and all their left defense are, are at this point journeymen, <laughs> that's that they're doing fine considering that. 
like not Nick Letty's not a journeyman, but I don't think he's he's came in and exceeded expectations either. But I'm firmly in the move Nick Letty territory because oh, I think thousand percent his his perceived value will hold so much more weight. He's not been atrocious for the Red Wings, but he's his best games came at the start of the year. Yeah, he was terrible yesterday. He's he's a little hot and cold, Nick Letty. Yeah, um, I think he's he's still very capable and easily Detroit's best left side D man by a lot. Yes. But I still – some team gunning for the playoffs who needs support on that side is going to pay more for him than he's worth, especially to the Red Wings moving forward. And if the Red Wings want, they can sign another Nick Letty caliber player to steady their left side next year. Depending on if Edvinson comes over, they might not need as much of that. But, um, yeah, I'd say move him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Red Wings are going to be very obvious sellers at this point. Okay. Um, maybe we don't have time to go player by player today, but that's okay. We we have stuff coming on Thursday, but what about overall thoughts on, do we want to go position? Yeah. Overall thoughts on the forwards. Let's just speak broadly here. Larkin, Bertuzzi, Raymond, you know, the Red Wings, three best forwards. A plus, 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 plus. I'll go so far as to say a, a pluses. Or A's for Larkin and Burt, and maybe an A minus for Raymond, and that is holding Raymond to a. That's holding Raymond to an <laughs> NHL player, like not considering that he's a rookie level. When you consider that this is his rookie year, it's an A plus plus. Yeah, he's the front runner for the Calder right yeah. now. That you, you literally could not have asked any more from him. He's just cooled off a little bit, which we talked about at the start of the year was going to happen. It happens with every single rookie in the NHL. Unless you're Crosby and uh, Ovechkin in your rookie years. Um, but Larkin and Burt, man, what kind of seasons are they having? It is so important for this team, for them to be doing as well as they are now. Tyler Bertuzzi. Has he done so well and our Canadian team so bad where he can actually be traded? God, I hope so. Right? Like... <laughs> He, he does everything you want him to do. He scores. He sets plays up. He gets in the dirty areas. He'll fight. He'll piss the other team off. He gives a thousand percent on every shift. Teammates seem to love the guy. He's a coach's dream. The obvious hold up aside here of he can't play in Canada right now. And it seems like neither him nor, you know, the Canadian government is going to change their minds on the respective decisions. That's, I mean, that's a big holdup, but are you at the point now where with him on a friendly contract with a year plus remaining? Well, obviously this is way more external factors are going to matter than we would like them to. But if we're going about just by on ice play, I'm not even sure trading him is the right play anymore. Really? Yeah. Cause he doesn't, he's a guy who doesn't rely on speed. His, he's probably got a bunch of good years left, more so than, um, most players in his position. He'll probably give you quality hockey till he's 31, 32, 33 years old. And that will be within the Red Wings window. But there's been the whole contract thing and the whole can't play in Canada thing. The organization, it would be very believable if we found out the organization does not hold Bertuzzi the character in very high opinion right now, which could... Between those two things, yeah. Yeah, which could 
force their hand on a trade before he hits unrestricted free agency. Um, I still think they're better to wait until the restrictions are lifted because that at least pumps up one end of that. Um, but yeah. It, the contract un- thing is more of a concern for me. Yeah, because he's got one year left after this season and his last two contract negotiations where we both where we all thought we'd see some term on either one of them and it hasn't happened and he actually had to go to arbitration, which almost never happens in the NHL. It's it's concerning. It it shows that Bertuzzi and the Red Wings are very obviously on different pages, which leads me to believe the next contract negotiation also won't go well. But the Red Wings don't have the option of keeping him if he's, those ones don't go well because he could just walk. He is a UFA as of July 1 or whatever date it is, um, based on whatever schedule mess up there has been. Of July 1 of 2023, Tyler, <laughs> Tyler Bertuzzi can pick where he goes. And if he's if he's had you know two rough negotiations with his team already, you don't know what he's going to feel about Detroit. He seems to love it. He, he loves like. I don't mean to imply that he doesn't like it. There's not a guy who celebrates his goals or his teammates' goals harder in the NHL than Tyler Bertuzzi. Alex Ovechkin would like a word. Yeah, but he did that stick on fire celebration once. I've just never forgiven him for that. That only ups it. <laughs> I'm being a... A lot of people like their job or where they work. <sighs> I don't know. if I... someone backs up the Brinks truck... Someone will for Bert. I'll, I'll, I'll take the new job. And please. I don't think it'll be Iserman. That's my thing. Like, I'm not advocating to trade Tyler Bertuzzi because I want him off the team. He's genuinely the most exciting player, most games to watch on these Red Wings. I'm just worried about the con, like the contract thing, because again, there's no RFA backstop anymore. The Red Wings no longer have team control, and uh, his back, his back surgery. I don't know if he'll be able to maintain this level of play through his most important years. Yeah, because Tyler Bertuzzi is what 26. Yeah. So yeah, he's gonna want six seven eight years he's not accepting a short-term contract because he knows this is probably it and eisenman's been very reluctant to sign long-term contracts especially for high dollars and then you throw in all the extra caveats that are going to factor into this con uh, this contract negotiation and this might be the most con- well, contentious contract negotiation the red wings have had in a couple decades since Fedorov. so i just i do not see a reality where this goes smoothly now there is a reality where this could he's getting extended do the red yeah. wings offer him more money knowing that he do, he won't get paid for the canada games uh, that's actually <laughs> good. well it's the cap hit that's the problem yeah i look, but, not, the restrictions aren't gonna keep around for like three four five more years so <laughs> i don't know you want that's that. a kiss of death <laughs> uh, I, are you listen, predicting man. something about covid that many years out that's bold Listen, man, <laughs> we'll either all be dead by then or it'll be back to normal. Oh, that'd be so much simpler. <laughs> don't, threaten, don't threaten us with a good time. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Bertuzzi's on ice performance. My my preference at this point would be to keep him. Yeah. But I don't think that's the more likely option. I'm trying to think like Steve Eisman, which is impossible because the man gives us nothing. Yeah. Uh, that's why I just give my opinion. <laughs> It just boils down to how do you think Steve's going to manage the asset? Yep. Well, like, what, what do you get for Bertuzzi in a trade? Like, you would get a fairly large return. You probably get a first round pick, a good prospect, and then probably a kicker. We'll just do chicken straight up. But 
who's trading for Bertuzzi? It's not the teams with good first round picks. No. It's not the team with the stacked farm systems. The Colorados. Yeah. Like, what are you getting from Colorado? Their first round pick. Congratulations. It's pick 32. Give us a new hook. Bo and Byram. Would, would they, they wouldn't do either of those players. They're both actively contributing on their team right now for but a cup run. I want them. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean. So who's Colorado's best prospect that's not currently on their team? Look what Steve Eisman did with Anthony Mantha, though. With more turn, mind you. He, look what he did with an Anthony Mantha who wasn't producing that well that year. And consider what he can do with the Tyler Bertuzzi. With a hindrance, obviously, of can't play in Canada, but playing substantially better than Mantha was when he traded him. Not contract. Not cost controlled like Mantha was. Uh, cost controlled for another season, a season and a half, which to GMs is a. a it's season. a long time, yeah. But Mantha had what three and a half years yeah. left, more, more, on a very reasonable contract. So that does factor in. This isn't so much of a midseason review of what are we going to do with Tyler Bertuzzi. Pretty much, yeah. but that's okay. Um, I that's do okay. Wa- that's what the next episode's for. Yeah, I do want to ask you guys your thoughts on one more thing. We we said the defense, you know, they've done what they can. It's not really a great group. Yeah. Um, the forwards, the hallmark is those three best players. Honest grades, honest grades, and honest feedback on this coaching staff. Because that's a topic. Everyone, like we've talked about, Blashill <sighs> three trillion times on the show. The Tangay conversations have either been Tangay is the savior. Oh my God, he fixed the power play too lately. All right, I guess not. Um, where the Red Wings are at, I think Blashill has another year left on his contract after this one. What is your feedback? You guys go first because we know how this is going to end for me. <laughs> I don't even know where to. My thoughts are so over the place because I'm like, well. Raymond and Sider playing the minutes that they should and rightfully deserve to play. But then I see, well, Philip Zadina's fallen off an absolute cliff. So it's like, where do we sit? And then I see Sam Gagne out with a one goal lead and plays half the third period. It's like, that's not great. But Lucas Raymond looks really good. Is that in in spite of Blashill? And the coaching staff, the power play at one point looked like it had completely turned itself around and then right back to the old thing. So (sighs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I conflicted. I think this is a perfect example of our want to make things clean and easy and black and white and just to label something good or label something bad. And the reality is, I think in certain ways, Blashill has done a good job this year. And in other ways, there are shortcomings that we've seen demonstrated and manifested in this team time and time again. I think his grade and evaluation goes as, as the team goes. So if this team is going to get a B from me, if that's what I said earlier, then that's what the coaching staff gets too. You're right. Raymond and Sider don't do what they do this year if not given the opportunities by Blashill. Yeah, Sider's playing with DeKaiser, but what else is there really? That's to even do? more impressive. Yeah, like what else is there really to do? At this point, he knows Sider can handle the 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 other half of his um his D pair being like that. Raymond's been on the top line and he's been glued to that top line. He Pew Suter, a little bumpy for the first little while there, but has been absolutely producing. In a fantastic way, Nemesnikov has been played and deployed and rewarded really, really well. Philip Zadina is the most snake-bitten 
Red Wings player I've seen in a long, long, long time. And I don't mean snake bitten as in only unlucky or only playing poorly. It's both. Uh, and I, I mean even more than Mantha when Mantha was frustrating us or Athanasiu. Like uh, Zadina has surpassed both of them. He's leaned on Nedeljkovic as the starter. Like there was no kind of arbitrarily splitting the net. He's made actual decisions, and whether that's good or bad or def- is definitely up to deba- up for debate on a lot of them. His deployment at certain points in the game, I think, is still poor. I think we still see too much Danny DeKaiser late. I think we still see too many weird overtime setups where it's like you're almost giving away that shift. Like you do not need to be putting that guy out there. Danny DeKaiser's, you said this before, Brad. And I, I do think, Brad, sometimes you're a little too black and white in your opinions and you're a little short for my liking. But one thing that you said that was right was Danny DeKaiser's skates should not be coming over the boards in overtime, period. Period, period, period. And we've seen that before. Maybe not lately, but we've seen it before. Anyhow. We've seen it on Friday. Blasha, the, the coaching staff gets the same grade as the team. It's not perfect. There are mistakes. And it's not uh, absolutely horrible. There have been good things too. And I think there's there has been an improvement from previous seasons. It's very hard to get an accurate gauge this year because it's been the five players propping up the team. And is it are they doing it with the aid of Blashill or like Evan mentioned, in spite of Blashill? You know, Lucas Raymond and Mo Satter, they forced Blashill's hand in preseason and early in the season. He didn't have a choice but to play them. And to his credit, he didn't galaxy brain it. Nope, they're playing well. Let's ride it. And he has left them on the top pair and the top line and the top power play unit. Perfect. Exactly what he should have to do. And that is has directly led to a lot of the Red Wings success because those are the units that have been driving this team this year. So having Raymond on the ice with Larkin a ton of minutes every game is good. Having Mo Satter on the ice for a ton of minutes every game is good. Um, however, like we mentioned deployment, I won't be the dead horse, but his player deployment beyond that is bad. <laughs> like I'll, I'll just leave it at that. It's bad. Uh, it's confusing uh, would be the polite way to put it. I remember distinctly, we had this conversation. I want to say it was in late October, mid-November, somewhere in there, where I said, everything's going great now and I love what he's doing, but I want to see what happens at the first sign of adversity. Yeah, you did say that. That's annoying. And what happened at the first sign of adversity was he went right back to every old habit. Chip and chase hockey, dead power plays, horrible PK, the same old systems. Like, you know, you can see it even in Lucas Raymond, how often he's chipping and chasing now. And he was not doing that in October. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the the poor player deployment, the leaning on the veterans that obviously aren't contributing all that much you know again sam gagne i love the guy but he is not a guy who should be penalty killing he is not a guy that should be out there with middle left and man i love sam gagne for busting his ass every time he's asked to do it but there's there's better options um that's my biggest concern above all else is when things get hard what happens and it went back to, for, to not put it politely, the same old bullshit we've seen for the last seven years at the very first sign of adversity. And that, to me, is the biggest red flag. I'm going to put you on the spot here because we like controversy. Mm-hmm. 
with um with Blashell having another season left on his contract, as far as we know. I don't think it's an option. I think it's actually just another season on his contract. What do you do in the offseason? Stay the course, see that see see that season through, or do you advocate for change? I advocate for change. Yeah, you're still there. I'm still there. Um I think we've like I know he hasn't had good teams, but Blashell's had a playoff team with this team. Um made the playoffs. Yeah. We've seen him. We know what his systems are. We know his special teams are atrocious. There's no reason you should have a power play unit that features Larkin, Bertuzzi, Lucas Raymond, and Mo Sider, and your power play still be consistently one of the worst in the NHL. Um, you know, the Nashville game last night really highlighted how predictable their power play entries were because Nashville is just sitting on the pass they knew it was coming and was picking it off every time. And there was never an adjustment made. Um, I even saw Mo Sider throw a pass to Alex and Belkovich on the breakout just because that's what they do. And the trailer wasn't there. Like, sorry, Sider passing to Nedeljkovic. Yeah, so you know the drop pass in the power play. You did like in the uh, next. So I'm making sure you said that correctly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he turned around and dropped it, and there was nobody there. Yeah, and that is a system. <laughs> like obviously, Sider should recognize that. Maybe take a look. But you could see that it's just beat into these guys that they run the system. Blashill's trademark for me above all else is beating the creativity out of the team. It's happened every year and it's happened to every player. I mean, you look at what's happening to Philip Zadina right now. I'm not saying that's necessarily Blashill's fault, but whatever Blashill's doing with him sure as fuck isn't helping. So the Red Wings are at the transition. And as we've mentioned this time, many times this year, they're ready. They are going in the other direction. For me, that's a talent thing, not a coaching thing. I'm not saying Blashill's really necessarily hindering this team a ton this year, but I don't think he's the reason they got better. I don't think he's helping them get better. I think to a lot of our questions, I think it is in spite of. Um, because again, players like Mo Sider will do well under Blashill because he is a very defensive-minded coach. Players like Raymond and Zadina and in previous histories, Mantha Athens, you, these are the guys that tend to fail under Blashill because he doesn't like their style and he tries to change the type of player they are. Now, I'm all for 200-foot responsibility. Every player needs to be accountable, but it should not come at the cost of creativity and risk-taking and trying to generate something. So given that next season, how important it is for the Red Wings to take that next step, because they are now out of lottery position, which means now it's time to start making the playoffs because Getting to that spot where Minnesota was for a decade of just missing the playoffs, never being a contender, but not yeah. getting lottery picks. The Red Wings can't fall there. So this team needs to do everything they can to really push forward next year. And I quite frankly think there are better coaches currently on the market and likely will be on the market when, you know, all the firings and resignations and whatnot happen in the offseason. So I Blashill has done admittedly a better job than I thought he would do this year, but it still leaves me wanting a lot. Okay. We're going to continue that on the next episode. There's going to be a broader opportunity for more in-depth discussion. Um, some different points of view on that. Mid-season recap review. I do feel like I'm going to be in the minority on that one. Maybe a little bit, <laughs> maybe a little bit more structured next episode. Uh, for now, before we jump into overtime, uh, we're going to go into our segment, which we still don't have a name for, called 
Ryan and Brad give you uh, their bad tips on uh, what lines they would take. Anyhow, uh, we're going to do a little bit of um, our FanDuel-sponsored segment of some betting lines. So, Evan, what do you have pulled up for us today? Oh, we're going to do awards. Oh, I caught major you in the middle. awards. Big yeah. yawn. All right. Oh, yeah. All right. Hell, yeah. Today's FanDuel segment on major awards. What do you got for us? We'll start with maybe an easy one. Okay. Uh, the Norris. Uh, Kale McCarr has the greatest odds by a long shot. It's going to be Kale McCarr. It's Kale McCarr. It's not anyone other than the human Dyson vacuum. So if Kale McCarr gets hurt and doesn't play the rest of the year, is it still Kale McCarr? <laughs> That's the only thing that will keep Kale McCarr from winning it. I don't, you haven't said what the odds are yet, but I don't care what they are. You take the easy money. If you want easy money, bet Kale McCarr. It's plus 140 for Kale McCarr. Take huh? Kale McCarr. Yeah. After that, it that is, is shockingly low, though, for halfway through the season. That is how far ahead yeah. of his, the field he is. His next competition is shared between two players in terms of a betting perspective, and that's Adam Fox and okay. Victor Hedman, both at 450. Now, they'll, they'll, voters are taking McCarr right now. Over Victor Hedman will win it if Kale McCarr shatters his knee tomorrow. But, yeah. but that's not likely to happen, so it's Kale McCarr. Yeah, they're really isn't anything else outside of that like after that it falls down to john carlson at plus a thousand no 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 no. roman yossi aaron ekblad charlie mcvoy morgan riley the norris is decided provided nothing goes sideways the norris is decided yeah so yeah maybe not you know it's it's kale mccars and yeah i'm can't be changed on that opinion all right give us a meaty conversation here what about let's let's what about vesna the top Odds for the Vezza right now is Igor Shesterkin at plus 375. And he has been. He's been great. Yeah. After that, at plus 400, we've got Jack Campbell. Okay. My guy still hasn't been mentioned yet, so this is um, good. Andre Vasilevsky at plus 550. I'm really liking what my odds might be here. UC Saros at plus 1400. There it is. That's good value. That is a great value bet. Nashville. As recently as last week was leading the Central Division. And you look at UC Saros' numbers, stats, underlying analytics, whatever you want. He has been dominant this year. Shesterkin has a 936 right now, man. Oh, Shesterkin's unreal. And he is propping the Rangers up. To me, this is a two-horse race between Shesterkin and Saros. But given the odds difference between them, I'm putting my money on Soros because that's just a better bet. What do you say? Plus 400 for Sturkin? 375. Uh, You're getting, what, a thousand points difference there? Yeah, I get it. (laughs) But even in terms of goals saved above expected, Shesterkin's leading the league by a margin. Oh, yeah. Shesterkin right now is the best goalie in the NHL. I think Soros is number two. If you want a ten bagger, yeah. But if you're, yeah, if you want the odds and understanding, there's still forty games left. If Nashville makes the playoffs, if Nashville finishes in a divisional seed, like that's the biggest accomplishment for Soros there, because everybody had Nashville pegged for sixth, seventh, or eighth in their division, and they're challenging for the lead. The Rangers, most people expected, would be they not this good, but a playoff team. UC Soros is putting up like a 925 right now, which is still fantastic. But man, Shesterkin, like. The one I really like, though, at plus 1600 is Freddie Anderson. I think he's won 20 of his 26 starts. 
He's going to have the narrative going against him, though, that he's playing behind a stacked defense. Yeah, I think the Carolina defense is going to sway some voters. I'm pretty sure winning, getting 20 wins at this point in the season, based on how many starts he's had, is almost at a historic level. Oh, it's un, it's unreal what he's doing. But um, again, though, just I don't think many people can lay a bigger claim to Shesterkin or Saros right now. Guess who leads the league in goal saved above expected right now? According to Money Puck. It was Shesterkin. I lied. Oh. Sergei Bobrovsky. Interesting. He is at plus 2,200. Uh. <laughs> Can anyone... That would be the biggest, like, Jekyll and Hyde moment last year. We're like, this guy is the most expensive backup goalie of all time. Could he win the Vesna this year? Goal saved above expected per 60. So, break it down into that rate. Igor Shesterkin is still leading. And then Bobrovsky, then Freddie Anderson. Mind you, we're not handing out the Vezina right at this second, so there's still 40 games left to go. If there's any teams that are going to fall off, it would be Nashville and the Rangers, in my opinion. Yep. So I think you kind of have to – it's a futures, right? Like you kind of have to look into who's going to still be around. And I think big bets would be Bobrovsky and Anderson would be hanging around and Campbell for that matter. One thing we have to factor in here is this award is not voted on by the NHL writers where a lot of them will dive into analytics and stuff like that. This award is voted on by NHL GMs. So when you're putting money down, you have to keep that in the back of your mind because as we saw last year, what do NHL GMs value above everything else? Wins. Beards. So... Saros and Shesterkin are going to play a hell of a lot of games. And NHL GMs are, aren't dumb. They know Nashville and the Rangers were not supposed to be good this year. Like, Rangers were supposed to contend for a playoff spot, maybe squeeze in, not be one of the best teams in the league. Nashville is supposed to be a lottery team. So if one of those teams doesn't fall off, that goalie wins. There is also, if I had to pick a trophy with the most variance over the course of half a season, the Vesna would be it. So yeah, Shesterkin is probably the safest bet now. But I hate I hate saying this out loud, but Brad, you're right. You're both right. Take the, take the value bet there. Go for the guys who have over plus a thousand who are still candidates. Spread even you know spread your money out a little bit. The internet is telling me that nine of the last ten Vesna winners have been first time winners. The internet's never lost. Well, that doesn't help when deciding between Shesterkin and Saros. <laughs> and hell, it's it's a process of elimination. <laughs> That That's, gets Bobrovsky off. The Bobrovsky's books. out. Vasilevsky's out. The Vezin is a fun one. That's a fun one. Anyhow, uh, we're going to wrap up there. Uh, thank you to the FanDuel Sportsbook for prompting us to um, to use our thinking brains a little bit. Let us know who you guys place your bets on and uh, if you have any payouts. And uh, if you do, don't give it to Evan. He'll spend it on hot tubs. All right. <laughs> we're going to jump into overtime on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Uh, and we'd like to thank our Patreon supporters for being incredible people. Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast. If you help want to support the show uh, for every dollar pledged, uh, Evan and I slap Brad as hard as we can off air. Whether or not that's true, who knows? Um, Josh Brink says, is there a reclamation project or change of scenery guy that you guys would think would be a good target to buy low at the deadline? A guy like Fabry, for example. Also, I just wanted to remind everyone that we got Ned for a third in the idea of Bernier. Um, I'm trying to think who were, who did we talk about in the off season? I think all of my like reclamation projects slash bring these guys in to take the cap hit off the books guys got kind of spoiled in the off season. Yeah, there's 
definitely a few out there. I'm just off the top of my head struggling to think of who they are. <laughs> I honestly think. Because the, the thing is, the guys who are good but severely underperforming, like the teams know they're better than they are because, like, you know, Jake DeBrusque comes to mind. But, yeah, uh, but Boston's Jake. not selling Jake DeBrusque for what Jake DeBrusque is worth right now. They're selling him for what he was worth the last three years. Uh, they're they're not dummies. They know what they're doing there. And, like, you can say the same for Klingberg, right? Like, you, there might have been a world where you could buy low on Klingberg, but his perceived value is higher than I think is actual. Yeah, he's asking and what he thinks he's worth is uh, – <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you get Dylan Strom off Chicago, right? Yeah, that could be a decent one. He plays center. Yep. Uh, Aaron Hudson says, hey, boys, a Zadina for Kirby Doc trade. Both similar records with similar games played. Both arguably could do with a change of scenery. What are your thoughts and what other pieces would need to be involved? Oh, no way Chicago does that. Detroit would need to add, add, add. I, I don't think they'd have to add, like, the world, but they would need to add. You're talking first. They, Chicago would be gunning for this year's first. Yeah, because Doc's a little younger and plays the premium position. Yeah, I could see a world where that would make sense for both teams, but based on how both of them have looked this year, I don't think either team would be itching to make that happen. Chicago's, um, well, it's because of their change in GM, but they're just now realizing that they have to sell everything. Would they say Seth Jones is untouchable? It was Kane, Taze, and Jones were the untouchable. And I'm like, there's one untouchable on Hawk on the Hawks, and it's none of those three. I actually agree. I agree with, with what they said. You want to know why? Because nobody's touching those contracts anyway. Nobody's touching those contracts <laughs> ever, anyway, and you cannot have the narrative out there that you're already trying to ditch the, the Seth Jones contract. You're stuck with it. You can't get rid of it easily. There's no point in toxifying that, that pool right now. Oh yeah, yeah. From a PR standpoint, it was it was the right thing to do. Although I think that was a swift kick to the junk of Alex Debrinkit, the only actual untouchable on that team. But mm-hmm. feel like he should have been included in that list. Maybe they want to well see what they bring in. Maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe you get a king's ransom, which is what you'd need for Debrinkit. But yeah, um, Evan Spicy Rumchata says Spicy Rumchata take. Oh, boof. Uh, I feel more let down by Valeno than Zadina. At least Zadina usually goes out there and does stuff, except score, obviously, whereas I often forget Valeno is even on the team. Well, he's playing a fourth-line role, and he hasn't even played a full NHL season yet. So he hasn't looked out of place, but yeah, he hasn't generated a ton. So, you know, pretty standard rookie season for a player in his position. Uh, Kyle Karagitz says, has Sider exceeded his ceiling based on draft day expectations or has his ceiling being constantly updated? It is both. Yeah. The answer to that is yes to both. Yeah. We have this uh, referendum on Sider every six months and then the the goalposts just keep expanding. (laughs) I think we passed Bobby Orr about three months ago. (laughs) Something like that. Um. Brad does have to get running before Evan and I record the Patreon exclusive overtime. I just want to say um, to all our, I know we have quite a few Packers fans, uh, listeners out there. Um, I feel so much joy <laughs> right now. And that's okay. If you're mad at me, that's okay. I, hey, I'm a Lions fan. You can, you can beat up on me all day. I just want you to know I'm like that scene in movies. I'm like the Joker being beat up by the Batman and he's laughing about it. That's how I feel knowing that both the Lions suck and the Packers lost yesterday. So, 
That's that comes from the heart. And Brad, um, I'm not mentally prepared for today. <laughs> despite my deep rooted disdain for you at a human level, like when we both die and we're in the afterlife, I am going to find you just to bother you. That's that's how deep it goes. No, in all seriousness, good luck today, buddy. We're gonna need it. I know the, the bills are still the bills and we know how situations like this generally play. <laughs> the Packers, both number one seeds are gone. They, if the bills win today, they get to host the AFC championship. So as history is, has taught me, they're losing by 30. I just, I have so much admiration for Evan who has pictures of him from screen screen grabs from the uh, YouTube episodes circulating after every episode. And he still does not hesitate to stretch out and just let his gut out literally <laughs> on camera right now. <laughs> I can't be bothered. <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, I need another coffee before we do the Patreon exclusive. Um, thank you all so much for listening to the show. Hey, if you guys want to support the show, another way you can do it is leave a, um, leave a rating on either iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. If they let you rate it, um, I'd like to thank all of our listeners, the uh, sponsor of this episode, the FanDuel Sportsbook, our name level sponsors on Patreon, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Kragitz, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver for the number 69, Crying Ryan Hannes, Banana Slam and Jamathong, uh, Taylor Tadgel, Matthew M. Rice, B. Diz, Carl Brutana Nanaluski, Jimmy, Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood Fight Probert, Greech, Hana Lee, Hassam Alkasem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Justin and the Angry Mob, Caitlin Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Matt McKay, My Brain is Jumbled, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Your Friendly Neighborhood Window <laughs> Oh, these names always get me. Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I Wish I Could Finish Like Ernie. After Tuesday, even the calendar says WTF. Antonio Gracias, Babe Landeskog, Ben Barron, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Eric Sinkowski, Evan's Spicy Rum Chata Boof, Evan's Bingo Card, James Laporte, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Logan Stahl, Matt Keeler, Matt S., Max $1 million, Prison Evan Taking That Sausage, Revy DeLuca, Terry Actual, Trevor Pebavar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you, weirdos, so much, and we will see you on Thursday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.